calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Oh, Tony, baby. You're a mess. Uh? Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. Extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American tornado and the real princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Welcome back to Trend Lightly, everyone. I'm Molly McAleer. I'm joined, as always, by my fabulous, beautiful, wonderful co-host, Tiffany Scott Maddox, who is not feeling very well today. How are you doing, hon? I'm doing okay. Do I sound normal or do I sound sick? I can't decide. Um, you sound, if anything, you sound a little stuffy. Maybe. I'm a little stuffy. Yeah. And it's because you had kind of a crazy wild week, <laughs> followed by <laughs> a really intense massage. Is that right? I did. She was lovely. It was my first like full blown, like hardcore Thai massage but it wasn't the traditional Thai massage where you get you know when you have like lazy yoga where you lie on the ground and they just kind of like fold you into position this one was a bit more well it was like an aromatherapy massage but it was like 90 minutes and it was alternating between things that were excruciatingly painful and also deeply relaxing it really kept me on my toes (laughs) I've realized very like late in the game that it's not always really good when they hurt me super bad. Mm-hmm. Like I always used to think like, I'll do as hard as possible. And then one time I just got, I was like medium and I was like, oh, this actually is having results versus mm-hmm. me getting repeatedly punched for hours. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was comp- like compared to some of the massages I've had that have been horrible because I'm definitely like a medium girl (laughs) I'm a medium rare kind of girl I don't like I don't like a well-done massage I'm just too much of a baby but comparatively I would say that there were short bursts of intense discomfort but they didn't last long enough and I did feel very safe with her because I she was like and you tell me you tell me if it's too much like you you let me know you know, she's like, don't be, don't sit there and suffer. And I know that she herself is, she is like, she's Thai and I'm British, so I'm overly polite. And so I bet she probably has to tell people all the time, like, you need to fucking tell me because a lot of people will just sit there and grimace their way through it and then 
never return. Yeah, for me, it's the the uh, the Catholicism, mm -hmm. and maybe this not so secret desire to be hurt on purpose. <laughs> but I think what we should mention also the reason why we're even talking about this is because sometimes if you feel like you have the flu after you got a massage, that means some really good shit happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a good old release. What did you call it before? The cranial? Oh, when you do like a cranial sacral massage, it's very common mm -hmm. that you that. So that means basically a lot of work at like the base of your skull mm -hmm. that can lead to really feeling like some major flu like symptoms. But it's also like a really fantastic detox for the body. And you are also doing like you said it was pretty limp peppy right yeah 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 and i do like to do a little bit of facial you know like you know you do your neck lymph drainage because mm -hmm. i get really puffy so i'm kind of used to that sensation with a gua sha or whatever but she did she did a lot of stuff at the base of the skull she kind of at one point sat me up she did it from the back and then when i was on my front she was kind of behind me then she sat behind me like <laughs> i was demi Moore and she was patrick swayze uh but she was doing the back of my neck it was very like, it was very full on. I did, I left and I did feel like I was floating. Just by the way you, listening to you describe that, I understand why massage is such a popular porn category now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I guess I'm not uh -huh. really someone who, this is why like my friends make fun of me and think that I'm not, like, I'm. it's true, I'm not attracted to many people, but this is why I get labeled with, you know, do you think you're a demisexual? Like these are questions I've been asked sincerely. Just listening to you describe that, I was like, that's erotic. That's what people are talking about. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, so do you want to talk at all about your fun party times? I had a Christmas party in February because the last Christmas party, well, I mean, as a self-employed person now, you don't really get Christmas parties, but sometimes if you're a good girl, you get invited to other people's Christmas parties. Right. Which I did. And it, I was supposed to go, you know, in the month of Jesus, December. But the, the boss had COVID and I was at his house with a bunch of other people. So we weren't allowed to go. So it was rescheduled. Well, it wasn't rescheduled, but they had another one. I thought, oh, that's nice having a Christmas party in February. You know, somebody's going to feed me three meals and a bar tab and, and I'm going to have a nice time. And I did. I absolutely had a nice time. It had all the markings of a good Christmas party. There was a girl crying in the toilets. Oh, always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> For no discernible reason. I was very like, I was definitely on one in like a very loving way. Like sometimes I just get really fucking sincere when I've had a drink and I just want to tell everyone sure. how great they are. So I was doing a lot of that. And then we went to this bar that has, you know, like video games and shit like that. And I made everyone play me at Mortal Kombat. And then when the people that I came with wouldn't play with me anymore, I started asking strangers. Okay. Oh, okay. And how did that go? You were bad. I bet that's where the real fun started. Yeah. I was undefeated. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, I tell you what, though, I was very insistent at one point that they play uh, 212 by Azalea Banks. And so I asked the girl DJing, I was like, 212 by Azalea Banks. And she was like, yeah, okay. But I didn't feel like she'd really. I, I felt like I was being fobbed off. So then what I did right. is I started making other people ask her. I was like, go and ask for 212 by Azalea Banks. And I think I must have sent maybe like six or seven people to her until eventually she did play it, I think under duress. And it was great. 
It was a banger. Everybody loved it. Uh, okay, I will say that if you go missing, it was the DJ. <laughs> That's my feeling because aren't I mean, that's something they're very precious about, you know, like it's almost the way like tattoo artists like don't like too much instruction or won't do something too out of their wheelhouse. Like DJs are very precious about their set list often, unless it's like a wedding. Mm. I've got to say, I wasn't that good. I do feel that if I was giving the orcs cord, I could have done a better job. No shade, but oh, a lot of shade. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. I really hope she's not a listener. <laughs> Guys, I have like a real bad kink in my back right now. So I did take a, it's like 20% THC, like, and the rest is uh, CBD. So if I get any loopier, but the good news is, is my Adderall is refilled after two weeks. You know, I just want to say shout out to everyone who's had to deal with me. Shout out to (laughs) uh, all of the piles in my house right now. Shout out to... Yeah, just sh- a general shout out to the world on this fucking Adderall shortage, dude. It finally caught up to me. Mm. I'd been a sly one about it. I've been getting, I've been getting my Adderall this whole time. Meanwhile, there's people who are starting whole new drugs to, because wow. this Adderall is just, I don't know where it comes from, and I don't know how it gets here. Do we know if Yashar Ali is okay? Oh my God, I forgot. I should have, oh my God, I should have copy pasted him again. <laughs> no, I don't know if he's doing, I don't know how he's doing, but probably not well. I mean, he's friends with celebrities. He should be able to get some Adderall. Right. Yeah, because wasn't he, he was basically pleading and saying, if you take Adderall for fun, you better stop. Because what about me, Yashar Ali? I need I'm trying most. to report on Turkey. Yes, <laughs> and I need my Adderall. Do you feel in a yeah, way what the, the internet trolls call like dry begging or whatever? Do you think he was kind of dry begging for some Adderall? That's kind of the vibe I was getting, which is why it's funny. Not the fact that he's <laughs> unable to get probably a sense of medication, but the fact that he was essentially putting out a coded message, I think, for people to slide into his DMs with some Adderall. Oh, okay. I see. I, I missed that. That's not why I was laughing at all the first time. I was just laughing because it's like, I'm sure Turkey is going to be fine. If you like go lay down in bed, Yashar, like I don't think, I think fine might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's not like you're not Anderson Cooper, like, you know, picking up orphans in a war zone, like get a life. <laughs> Speaking of orphans in a war zone, mm-hmm. what's, what the fuck's going on with Megan Fox and MGK? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very smooth transition. That one. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. I saw a picture that Megan, well, she'd done a little photo carousel that I saw this morning when I woke up and it was like, she was looking bomb. She's in a, it looks like she's in like an airport bathroom, honestly, in Uh the sequence of pictures. And there's a guy with her who's taking her pictures. And the caption said, I can, I can taste the dishonesty. It's all over your face or whatever, which is the Beyonce lyric from Pray You'll Catch Me. Mm-hmm. And I go to her profile and all of the pictures of her and MGK are gone. It's crazy. So I was like, huh. And it, she actually had like barely any pictures up, actually. So I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. I guess they've, they've probably had a little bit of a Barney and broken up. So actually, when I went back to find the picture to put it in the, this week's document for the show, her whole Instagram is just gone. Like the fully, it's, it says this account doesn't exist. She's like 
deactivated it. It's zapped. And this is so this is my question that I want to know. Uh, they were at she was in that outfit with MGK at Drake's Super Bowl party mm. last night, I believe, like his pre Super Bowl party. Guess who else was at that party? Michaela. <gasps> no. Because she's, yeah, she had that video that went super viral because she was with Brianna. And she's like basically like a big Fenty partner. And so Michaela was sent to the Super Bowl with her fiance, Cody. And they, yeah, she was just like, this is crazy, guys. Like, you know what I mean? She's like, <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, that's like, it's crazy. That's a crazy lifestyle change. I just want to drive that home again. And I did get the mascara and I tried it and I like it. So that's just that. Put a pin in that. <laughs> but they were allegedly together at Drake's Super Bowl party, which I was like, oh, this is so toxic. Because right. this either happened before or immediately after. She also had a there's this thing in the Daily Mail that she had thrown a letter into a bonfire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something's burning. It looks like a little a breakup burn. But I tell you what's quite concerning and I don't know exactly what the timeline is, but I saw something because, you know, she was at the Grammys and she had sort of like bruises on her. And apparently she had like a sprained wrist and a uh, concussion. Some sort of, yeah, and a concussion. And everyone was kind of speculating that this might be some kind of DV. But others were saying, no, it happened when she was filming in Bulgaria, shout out Bulgaria, when she just happened to kind of get off the plane. But we've also linked to this thread which is on Twitter, which is called MGK is abusing Megan Fox and no one cares because she's not their idea of a perfect victim. And it's just a collection of all of the really weird, dark stuff. And I mean, we've covered them pretty consistently on the pod. Yeah, we had an episode called Is Megan Fox Okay? I mean, we I kind know. of suspected that this has been going on for a while. Like something like this could be going on for a while. Mm-hmm. There's some really fucking dark stuff in here. I mean, for me, the sh him calling her with a shotgun in his mouth will forever be the most insane thing to tell in an interview. Like, it's a funny, cute, quirky story when it is the most manipulative, abusive thing ever. No, it's, I would never, you couldn't beat that information out of me. <laughs> that's like, that's a major, first of all, that's the kind of story that as someone who's been with a manipulative partner that I would I would not share to protect him. So mm -hmm. there's that. But I often find that in my experience, guys who like to own stuff like this out of nowhere are doing it intentionally to manipulate everyone. It's to like get ahead of it, to take like ownership of it, to make it seem like, yeah, things were crazy, but I got better. And it's like, well, is Megan okay? Right. I, I don't know. I just, I am worried. Let's maybe look through this this thread a little bit and see. Oh, did you see that she followed just Eminem, just Timothy Chalamet, and like one other sort of known hottie, whoever it was? Oh, no. Was so Nicole was telling me this. So she like, I think she unfollowed everyone, but she then went on to follow... Really quickly, she unfollowed everyone except for T uh, Timothy Chalamet, Harry Styles, and Eminem. Huh. And then, I guess now she's not following anyone. Oh, well, yeah, now she isn't following anyone. Someone else pointed out in that picture that she, uh, that she Instagrammed right before 
deleting her Instagram. So obviously it's the the picture of her in the bathroom. She is stood in front of a domestic violence poster. Are you kidding me? It says, when you can't walk away, but it's backwards in the mirror. And it says, if you are, con- are concerned, I'm trying to read backwards. And anyway, but it, it's, it looks like one of those, which you obviously see quite a lot in, in women's bathrooms, because they'll often be in places where they're not accessible to male abusers. That's why I said it looked like an airport bathroom, because it doesn't look like the ideal setting for a photo. It's giving like three possible places. Like I could see depending on where Drake's event was, this being like almost like a backstage area because there was a performance. But mm-hmm. you typically see stuff like this in like doctor's offices. Mm-hmm. But she's not in full glam probably at the doctor. Although I will say, speaking of the concussion and the wrist and stuff, these, this couple's a couple that I feel like is sick a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know how there's some people like uh, that's like how I got into the Jordan Peterson thing was just realizing that these people are diagnosed to the gods. Like there's not one thing that they've ever done in their life that doesn't have some like severe medical diagnosis attached to it. And I'm like, dude, like I'm out here barely. You know what I mean? Like I'm surprised I I knew I had shingles. Like I I'm like I I really don't understand. But it feels like they're some they're a couple that's been very like transparent about some things that are just very concerning and in their totality just feel so icky to me right yeah always framed as as you said something like (sighs) framed as something that's supposed to be kind of cool and rock and roll but when then you start to unpick it you realize this is somebody who's just trying to reclaim that narrative and make it into something that feels cool as opposed to something that's absolutely horrifying and alarming. And like, truthfully, I don't think Megan is like completely new to like the abusive dynamic. And unfortunately, you know, that's like, it's the codependent stuff and I need to work on it always too. But it's codependence. Totally. Like from the minute they met, they were twin flames. And then like, it just got mm-hmm. so, so serious so quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is not going to be a clean break, no matter what. I think that this is going to be a, they go, you know, they're, they get back together time and time again. Mm-hmm. I just don't get to if like, if I, you know, I am someone that like, you know, I smoke weed, I, you know, I drink, I, you know, I'm open to like the idea of doing psychedelics in a control controlled environment, but I could never be with someone that's as drugged out as as he is all the time. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you sit around someone on around someone on cocaine all the time when you're sober? Oh my god, it must be a fucking nightmare. But to the drugs of it all, I mean, do you remember there was that whole period where they were doing a lot of the waska and and she was saying that it was like. She said that it, quote, made her feel as if she went to hell for eternity. Going into the third night, Megan was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't go back, said Kelly. Her first night, it was rainbows and unicorns. It was great. Her second night, she was like, I don't ever want to see that again. And I wonder if, because he is such a fan of the of the substances, that that was something she was doing in an effort to feel, I don't know, on some kind of the same vibe as him, but having a pretty miserable time of it. No, I think she's kooky like that. I mean, no, there's nothing kooky about choosing to like go on the 
journey of ayahuasca. Like for the most part, I think it sounds like I've, I've mostly only heard of people. It's normal to do it three nights in a row from mm-hmm. my knowledge. It's usually that the nights like get less intense or maybe I have heard from some people that the second night is the worst, but I, she seemed very spiritual, quote unquote, like in the healing into sort of like alternative methods and ideas that are that would make your average Midwestern man like laugh for the rest of his life if you told him that <laughs> that was your belief system, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I don't I don't I don't know. But I think she is I think she's kooky like that. I think someone like MGK is the one who'd be way less likely to want to face his demons. In an experience oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't actually think of anyone slightly worse to do ayahuasca with <laughs> than Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, we've all seen his catfish episode. I just feel like he's not a man who does well under pressure. He's also a guy that, like, you know, is hot. He did it for, you know, whatever whatever thing he was doing when he first like started acting. I think Bird Box had come out and he had been booking gigs and he released an album for the first time in a long time. And I'm someone who loves to like rewatch interviews with the Breakfast Club or whatever, just to like see sort of like I watch Post Malone's and they're so mean to Post Malone for some reason, but they love MGK. And the outfit he's wearing for press that day is the same one he's wearing in his Hot Ones episode, the first one he did. And I believe in the second one he did because he was very angry. Like I've never, you see people have, Obviously, the goal of that show is to get big reactions out of people, but he was being kind of a prick. And I think he might have come back and apologized to Sean the second time for like being in a bad headspace that day. Oh, which. I mean, when you're apologizing to the host of Hot Ones, some, you know, there's something going on, especially if they're leaving it yeah. in. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Yeah. So I think as what I from what I remember, his behavior was what I would would I would consider to be like, you know, disruptive in a Mm -hmm. way that was weird. So he's definitely got some anger problems and judgment issues as well. So I don't know. But all right, we're going to very lightly dance around this because truthfully, we are Britney heads and don't want to contribute to anything that could potentially hurt her. Mm hmm. We are not linking a TMZ in our in our show notes. By the way, if you're new here, that's we always have all of the links to our stories in the show notes, and and we have bonus links too. But basically, it's come out that Britney, it, through TMZ, it's been said that Britney's team is trying to her friends and her her management allegedly are trying to plan an intervention for her because. Things are really out of control. She's using substances or whatever. These are all what's being said by TMZ, who's always been their biggest. Uh, Britney Spears is, they've just, they've made their name off of Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. What was TMZ before Britney? Oh, fucking absolutely. You know, so our friend Cocaine Cross from the Depp and Heard trial, she's now back on Twitter. She took a break and her username is at drug problem now. But as like the true feminist queen she is, she has put together a long thread that basically sort of gets into how the Spears people and probably Lou Taylor have been using TMZ to 
sort of mislead the public about Britney for years and how everything they, you know, TMZ will really flip on a dime from super, super negative damning press to, you know, the kind of stuff, the kind of press that like ruined her life, basically, to, mm-hmm. you know, just like sort of fluff stories. And so it seems like whoever is feeding this stuff to them really controls what's being said about. Britney. God, they did. They absolutely did do all of the major stories, right? Like TMZ were the ones that posted her with the umbrella, and did they break break her shaving her head? I mean, every time I think about them and Britney, it's always the most horrific image that comes to mind. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. Like, I genuinely mean it. As someone who's always been hunting down gossip blogs and looking for stuff, like Perez Hilton was egregious. He's not someone who always really got crazy exclusives, though. And I don't think that he had like a crazy relationship with the paparazzi or anything like that. Maybe he did. I do not remember TMZ before Britney mm-hmm. came along. I do not remember their entity. I don't know what they reported on, probably like Paris and stuff like that. But when things started to go wrong with Britney, this is like that that's when I remember them becoming relevant. Mm. A lot of people made a lot of money off Britney. Yep. Yep. They've all made more money than she has off of Britney. Mm -hmm. But, you know, TMZ was a show at one point even, but might still be. So, yeah, like basically Cocaine Cross points out that like these things that are being said about Britney are from like the least reliable source who seems to have a vested interest in repeating whatever this person these people are giving them i i don't think it's like jamie himself calling them up i think it's probably like lou taylor or something i know i know that's so fucking gross so i don't know i can i can i say gently that i am a little concerned and if it's not even just because of this news of the intervention it's more because Like, I just feel like this is a lot of negative attention and energy for her. And I think that what part of what maybe increased her spiral that she did need to sort of break from, not certainly not the way it was done, but this sort of behavior is happening again around her. And I'm scared that this, the talking about her itself will put her in a, in a vulnerable position. I agree. I agree. And also I think like, just zooming out what's happened with her in the last 18 months has been kind of extraordinary like it's an it's it's a really intense bunch of things to happen to a single human being and so I would be worried if I were not worried but I mean she has literally lost a child I mean she's been under intense scrutiny and intense discussion there have been a million and one documentaries made about her a podcast made about her lots of media about her her kids stopped talking to her. Kevin her kids, and the kids mm-hmm. did a public interview. Mm, oh, yeah, that fucking public Fedline interview. I mean, yeah, I would be surprised if she's not under, I don't know. She's obviously under extreme stress, but was Jamie she not Lynn's behaving book. in ways that would? Oh, fuck, Jamie Lynn's book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So I did see, though, do you remember that video that they released of her? in a restaurant in the valley where it said she was behaving manic. Mm -hmm. I did see a fan reverse the video and it was, it sounded like Brittany was saying, I'm just trying to get out of here. So it looks like the video may have been altered and flipped like 
you know, played in reverse on TMZ. Wow. To make it sound like she was just making nonsense noises. Wow. Yeah. So prayers for Brittany, love for Brittany. You've got this girl. Yeah. Sorry about it all. Now, okay, wait. Sorry for talking about it, but we had to. Yeah, well, we just want to maybe dispel, you know? And also, of -hmm. course, we'll be... We're we're always open to have our minds opened and changed or whatever. Like so, you know, but for right now I'm not I'm not I'm not making anything worse in her life. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleepwave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, wait a minute. So I want to hear this from you. I I know the story, but I want you to tell me it, if, if that's okay. Okay. Well, from what I understand... Julia Fox recently walked in Alexander Wang's, I guess, comeback show, and immediately fans of Julia Fox were really unhappy. So our friends at Julia Fox Updates posted a picture and said, this is the only picture I'm going to post from the event. I'm extremely disappointed that Julia has has walked in this event, and we won't be covering any more content that was produced of her around about that time. So really quick, it was his comeback show because... Alexander Wang mm. was like credibly accused of basically like drugging and, and uh, raping like 13 different people at least. Yeah. And I, do you know what's wild is I hadn't, I think I was vaguely aware that there was something, there was something problematic with Alexander Wang, but honestly, I, I really had no idea the extent of it. And then when I was reading the article of, you know, all of the allegations and I was watching videos and TikToks of of models talking about what happened to them, it was really fucking dark. And there was a lot of it. And there was a real spectrum of of assault from sort of just grabbing people by the crotch at just uh, events and doing that pretty freely and really regularly to dosing people's water bottles with molly, this kind of molly water scenario that he would do to men waking up potentially after being sexually assaulted by him with no kind of recollection of it i mean it's it was a lot and i and and i truthfully i had no idea in a mix of like gay men and also straight men 
And one in particular was a straight man who said that, like, basically, like, he got me, like, fucked up at his apartment. I just thought it would be cool to hang out with Alexander Wang. And, like, he pressured me into having sex with him, which is, like, you know, it's the James Charles of it all, where it's, like, you know, like, it's just so fucked to, like, I don't know, like, to trespass on anyone that way, but then, like, also to do it to a, like, that's so, I don't know, it feels very damaging. Do you know what I mean? I don't know, Mm -hmm. in a different way. But one thing I noticed as well with all the accusations is while there were a variety of different things he did, there were, like, kind of calling cards. Like, some of these stories were just so close to each other that I was like, this is pathological. This is something he does, and he has fun with it. Do you remember that guy that was not, he was not, maybe he was arrested, but he was a big Hillary donor and like three black men had died at his apartment. <gasps> over yes, didn't he court. live in like Santa Monica or something? He li- I think he lived in like West Hollywood mm. and he would get these guys like fucked up for days and they always had to wear these white pajamas. Yeah. And he would film them, right? When they would be in like basically completely incoherent and really suffering and would essentially be filming them and feeding them more drugs. Yeah, there was one guy who came forward and said that like every single time he started to feel every time he started to feel lucid again, he would shoot him up with meth, which I like can't <gasps> even imagine being shot up with or for I can't really imagine being shot up with anything, but definitely not meth. Like that's got to be oh. That, that has to be one of the most scary experiences in the world. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, just in that, like, you know, what's with, like, you're, you're just giving people, like, molly and water bottles? Like, like that's, you got to have a lot of molly on you to keep, to keep do that, doing that, you know? And it's also mm-hmm. kind of a strange, like, date rape drug, I feel. Because mm-hmm. it's... You know, I mean, I've done plenty of Molly, babe, but it was named after me. But <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, I really like. Um, it's not. It's the one where like I can sort of pull myself out of it. It's not like GHB or something. So it's very interesting that he. It must have been more than just Molly. I don't know. That's my that's my impression. But Julia made a comment when some fan was like super disappointed in you. For working with like an abuser. And she wrote back, like, I love cancel culture. Wait. <laughs> she said, I love cancel culture, but sometimes it's important that we like see that people have made mistakes and have gotten better. Which is just like, okay, but you don't have to work for them. Like it's not right. like losing <laughs> pay or something where we have to expect that these people will bounce back, right? Like Right. That's also the kind of comment that I would, that I think is, I mean, first of all, perfectly valid. Like we, we have to allow room for people to get better and to grow like as a society, like we can't just all out, you know, end someone. But that's the kind of comment that I would expect to be under a video of Michaela's like lash, (laughs) like lash video, as opposed to someone who has been accused of very, very grimy sexual assault multiple, multiple times and seemingly has not faced any kind of consequences there's no accountability there's no acknowledgement there's no like the victims have not been made whole if this was 10 years time and like alexander wang had been like on like a 10 year kind of 
rehabilitation streak for want of a better word and like had a little more like good graces and someone was like well come on he's done his time like we have to allow people to grow I'd be like yeah I mean it's pretty pretty fucked up but I can kind of see but like this is not the time babe (laughs) there would have to be a really powerful like nightline interview or something I think along with it, if if we were working on like the 10 to 15 year rehab in return, mm-hmm. it would have to be like a really powerful interview with him explaining, you know, what mindset he was in. But mm-hmm. here's the problem with this versus like what a lo- it, some of these other things we cancel people for. He did. He did literal sex crimes, like yeah. an amount that would put him in prison. If this if he hadn't been so powerful and like for people afraid to report, you know, it's there's the the, the things he's accused of doing are like such prison time. Yes. Yeah. And it's almost like the word cancel, I feel, is not the correct one for this. Like, I don't think it's that's like saying like Ted Bundy is canceled. Like, it just doesn't feel correct. (laughs) Like, it feels too. I don't know. It feels too soft a word. Like cancellation is like being deplatformed for not you know for doing something that's pretty unhinged but like sexual assault i don't know i don't think we should be canceling people for sexual assault i think we should be incarcerating people for sexual assault absolutely and you know as much as i have really always enjoyed julia and i can't promise that she's not going to be like you know sort of like somewhat of an azalea banks figure in my near future where I'm like, wow, she does some terrible things, but sometimes she slays, like, you know, and that's really bad behavior of mine, and I apologize for that. But it's something I'm guilty of doing. And, like, I just feel the sentence, I love cancel culture, but Mm. is so flippant. Mm. Because, like, Julia's smart enough to know, based off of everything we've seen from her, she's smart enough to know that cancel culture is not real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's it's smart not. Enough Didn't Louis C.K. just do a bunch of sold-out shows? <laughs> exactly. And she is, like, smart enough to realize that, like, what is being said about him isn't cancel culture. And she did just have that scandal recently for, like, what I think was genuinely a mistake, but the mascara thing. And so on the heels of having this public thing where you're accused of, like, dismissing male sexual assault victims, you are now working with a serial predator. And I do believe that she didn't know the mascara thing because it's just absolutely insane to hold a 31-year-old woman to something like that. But it's just, yeah. I, I don't know. This is just really disappointing. I know it really is. And her biggest stan account, Julia Fox Updates, like did like an RIP Julia Fox Updates account because our uh, meme post because she's she's out or they're out. Yeah, it looks like they have joined forces with Kiki Palmer Updates and Anna Armas Updates. <laughs> 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 they were all like thinking of you, thinking of you, girl. Yeah, being there. <laughs> What has Kiki Palmer ever done in her life? I don't know. Mm-mm. I don't think Kiki's ever. I think she's like the least problematic person in the world, which is why she's going to be the biggest celebrity this year. This is just clearing the path. Julia going sort of into fading into obscurity is just making my prediction of Kiki Palmer being having the best year of her career, like step into the forefront even more. I believe it fully. <laughs> 
one less <laughs> famous person. Now it can be now Kiki Palmer can grow even more. I love her. I'm going to put a link to this article in our show notes about the Stan account, uh, Stan accounts joining forces. I don't know why I went Scottish for a moment. I loved it. Shout out to my people. <laughs> okay. So wait, this is, I don't know if you saw any of this. Did you see any of this with the Ashley, the Taylor Swift impersonator? <laughs> I saw that there was drama bubbling, but um, I didn't, I didn't dive into this until today. So tell me about it. Okay. So I actually did wind up doing an hour long sort of debrief and thoughts and feelings session with friend of the show, the wonderful author and podcaster, Nora McInerney. That's on our Patreon. I'll link to that as well if you want to hear this for some stuff. But basically, Ashley was approached by a company called Sweetie High to go to the Grammys and walk the red carpet. I kind of figured out that this was something she was like hired to do before Taylor's Taylor being there was confirmed. So I think that they were going to just have her sort of walk the red carpet or do red carpet interviews of some type. Now, it's important to say that Ashley's not like a true impersonator, and I should be careful using that word. She's a lookalike, which means that she doesn't go to parties and pretend to sing or anything. She's more someone that like takes pictures, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's more that. But Ashley makes a post, you know, saying she's going to the Grammys. It's a week before the Grammys. Then it's Grammy weekend. Friday night, she posts that she was taxiing at LAX with her husband. And she gets an email saying that she's no longer going to be attending the event. And she had paid a bunch of money out of pocket to go. She was obviously really disappointed. Things escalate very quickly in the Swiftiverse, and people were really being harsh on it because she's done a few things that are kind of unlikable. One thing people often cite is that she quit nursing when COVID came, and she's kind of anti-vax, and it's believed that she's MAGA. She, I think, maybe made a couple pro-Trump accounts, which isn't, like, too crazy because she is from Florida, I believe, and now lives in Michigan. Think she does this full time, the influencing thing, but people don't like her. She's known as It's Just Ashley because she kind of walks around in Taylor Swift cosplay, and then like people think she's Taylor Swift. And there's a, a famous, quote unquote, famous video that that's gone around of her where guys like, "Oh my god, Taylor! Oh my god!" And the friend that's with Ashley is like, "It's just Ashley. It's just Ashley." So she's known as It's Just Ashley as well. Mm. So there's a uh, like the just people haven't stopped. So there was a video that was going around about how Ashley is like a stalker level fan and that she needs to Taylor needs to get a restraining order against her. And this sort of like the like group th- thing got really, really crazy. And, and frankly, like, you know, no one knows how to fill out a restraining order form like Taylor Swift. So I she would have one if she wanted one, right? But the video that was made, Ashley really wanted it taken down. So she created a change.org petition to clarify that she is not trying to be Taylor Swift. She has no interest in being Taylor Swift. She's just a lookalike. So I'm actually gonna I'm gonna leave a video in the comments for you guys to watch about it, but I do wanna see the change.org petition really quick and go through that with you if you have you're up for it. Oh, absolutely. I did a little scan read of it. And there are parts of it that are quite extraordinary to me as someone who's not part of this 
fandom, but I do occasionally like to vacation there. There's um, there's a lot happening. So, okay, 315 people have signed. I have 500 signatures. This uh, it says 500 signatures. This petition is more likely to be featured in recommendations. Am I wrong in saying that I believe Change.org was started so that Congress would have to address things that had <laughs> over a hundred thousand? signatures like once it had a hundred thousand signatures it was like time to for i think the president even to address this mm-hmm. so swifties have really launched themselves into politics lately between this and the Ticketmaster thing and it's in probably the most you know the disappointing way sort of a way a group of young liberals or anything can gather okay so it says petition to stop false dis- false defamation is that a uh, is false de- defamation an expression? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's a bit like saying it's a double negative, a bit pregnant or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So rumors and speculation can create a negative experience on any platform. Words, videos, and photos can be misconstrued and altered to fit a specific narrative. When it comes to rumors, they can spread like wildfire and it ends up being a game of telephone. Always remember, a rumor becomes deformed rather the farther it travels. It can never stay true to form. With that being said, this petition shares me, me side and is to help stop cybering, bullying, harassment, and false defamation towards myself, Ashley Leachin, as well as others. Some Swifties have taken to the internet to defame my name, and one in particular has a video on their page comparing me to a murderer. This is not okay and should not be taken lightly. This is not to go after the creator's page or themselves. It is to take down this specific video that has incited violence toward me. This creator is not only the only one, and there are plenty more, but one voice can make a difference to end bullying. Okay. Oh. It is, it is sad. So she just says, like, you know, first point, I'm Ash- I, Ashley Leachin, have never shown any stalker-like behavior in which I'm being accused, that I'm being accused of by Swifties on the internet. She sort of goes on to just say, like, she's a known public Taylor Swift lookalike. Number two, I, Ashley Leach, and do not live like Taylor Swift. So she writes, I have two children, a husband, a cat, a cat family, and I'm a licensed registered nurse who makes content on social media as well as pursuing an acting career. I do not aspire to write music, sing or play a musical instrument. I do not write like Taylor. I have completely different penmanship. This is one of the things she was accused of. And I hold my pen in such a manager that brings comfort, which releases direct pressure off the median nerve. (laughs) I have an injured spine and I am tall, so I walk with a slouch in my step. None of my cats are, quote, exactly same as Taylor's cat. This rumor has been debunked as I have posted side-by-sides of my cat. I have watched Grey's Anatomy since March 2005 before I knew Taylor Swift existed, and it's part of the reason I became a nurse. (laughs) This I'm I'm sorry. This has the same energy as like writing a letter to someone who, like, you've accused of like copying you in school, and you're like, point number one, I bought the trainers first, and then you came along and bought the trainers that were the same as mine, but I actually got them in 2002. Point number two, I was watching Grey's Anatomy way longer before you were watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> oh, abs- absolutely. She's like, yeah, she's her own woman. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. it just makes me, it makes me, yeah, I, I don't, oh, I feel, I really do feel bad for her because it is, it does seem small in like the grant, this whole thing seems very small and petty, but I know Swifties are vicious. 
Like, these are the same people that mm-hmm. were doxing queer teenagers with Stan accounts and, like, you know, basically making their parents aware that they were queer, like people who weren't out to their families, you know? Like, this is a fandom that has really gone for oh. people. And there's also a lot of sensitivity around the idea of meeting Taylor or knowing Taylor and, like, the idea of someone like her in particular going to the Grammys and potentially meeting Taylor is, like, absolute rage bait for them. Because there are there's famous Swifties. There's the Swifties that have gone to her listening parties that have, like, made, that are probably on fucking Cameo. Like, because they met Taylor once. So it's like, it's just, it's bad. It's bad. She was accused of plastic surgery. She, I think that's so whack, personally. Like, guys, Taylor Swift is going to have people who look similar to her. This is, it's like, I just think Mm -hmm. the plastic surgery accusation is really weird. She said, I, Ashley Leachin, have never gotten, quote, upset during any encounter online or in public about my likeness to Taylor Swift. My public experiences have always been kind, cordial, and I have never had any negative experiences in public with anyone who has approached me. The viral video in question where my friend is saying it's just Ashley was in New York and it was a prank. The experience was very pleasant and I, did get, I didn't get mad or upset. We ended up hugging at the end. If someone says something intentionally negative toward myself or my friends following any such statement, I have the right to ignore or block any person. This is not getting upset. This is me protecting my peace. I am sorry that you can't be perfect all the time and not address bullying or threatening comments. You're allowed to have a voice and stand up for yourself when all you want to do is protect your peace. That's she's right about the block thing. I used to not feel that way. Like I was I kind of had a strict anti-block thing, but she's right. Her comment section is not a doorstep for people's Mm -mm. shitty opinions. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't owe you this space. Mm Mm-mm. She goes on to say, I, Ashley Leach, and have not stolen Taylor Swift's favorite number. I was born on March 13th. (laughs) I was born on March 13th. I also learned a valuable lesson about trust at the age of 13. This is a number that has more meaning to me than anyone will ever understand. Okay, I, Ashley Leach, and did not vote for the politician Donald Trump. Well, what about the businessman? Did you vote for the (laughs) businessman Donald Trump? She said, I am from 2019 a registered Democrat. My most recent card, who turned independent, respectfully, it's none of your business in general, but I have chosen to be open to stop this false accusation. In 2020, I did not vote and was unable to vote due to relocating to Tennessee. I could not claim residency in Nashville, Tennessee, and I passed the deadline registration date. My most recent card is shown to be a 2019 Dem. Maybe I am not registered to vote because I never voted in the 2020 election. This is irrelevant to myself as a person or anyone for that matter. She says she's not against women's rights. I mean, what were some of your, what were some of your greatest hits in here? I did love the, um, that she hadn't stolen Taylor's favorite number. Uh-huh. I thought that was, that was quite funny, actually. I, oh God! Then, like, there comes a point where it actually gets quite well, not dark, but it gets quite serious. Which is that where she has to publicly state that she's not anti-trans or LGBTQ rights, that she's not anti-women, that she's not an anti-masker, that she's not an anti-vaxer, that you know, all the rest of that kind of stuff. For me, I I like the more low stakes one, <laughs> which would be the way that she holds her pen and that she likes Grey's Anatomy and has done since before Taylor. <laughs> Those are probably my favorites. I think she's allowed to like those things. 
I think she is too. Let me just see. Oh, lastly, biggest of them all. I have never claimed to be a Republican tailor online or in person. This was false information spread after another TikTok creator who baked cookies with Trump slash Pence on the icing and used a green screen of Taylor standing with Biden cookies. This was not me. It's yeah, just she and then she thanks people. So then, of course, she's being ragged on for doing her best to try and defend herself. I mean, it is a little, you know, nuts. This whole that this is all about this. And it is a little. Okay, I'll just say that she did go a little far with some some stuff that she like DM'd the the head of the recording academy. Like the guy who runs the Grammys and was like, hey, just so you know, I got like scammed by these people who told me I was invited to tonight's show. And he wrote back, which I thought was crazy because I was like telling Nora, I'm like, I'm pretty sure his DMs are mostly just like k-pop fans calling him the f slur or something you know what i mean right (laughs) like i really didn't think this guy would have open dms but yeah she she wrote back to her the the night of the grammys which is like a lot of people thought that was a little too far so one thing fans did so this was taken down but a lot of people were posting this guy who had edited her petition as if it was some sort of scholarly paper or you know, like he was a teacher. He redlined a lot of stuff, pointed out things that were unprofessional or wouldn't fly. Like she uses the ampersand a lot. And then a teacher chimed in and I appreciated that appreciated this very, very much. A teacher said, as a high school English teacher, may I just gently request that we stop tearing apart the grammar of Ashley's petition and cackling about it. You have no idea what seeing behavior online like this does to my emerging writers and their confidence with writing. Thank you, my loves. And it brings up this very true thing, which is like, I think correcting people on spelling is like majorly out of fashion now. You don't really see people (sighs) do that where they're like, it's T-H-E-I-R. You know what I mean? You don't really see people doing that so much anymore. And I think it's because it's considered like kind of classist and ableist. I believe that that's what Gen Z is saying. And like, by the way, they're right. Like, it is so annoying to it was that was a big thing in my early blogging career was like it was always just some like guy that was like 15 years older than me some like gen x know-it-all who was like infuriated that i had a platform saying to me like you're using that word wrong and i'm like i did it on purpose you know what i mean like or just Mm -hmm. like okay like sorry i i didn't put the like the comma inside the quotes You know, I don't it just is a it's a really like it really is discouraging creativity. Yeah. God. And there's there's nothing more odious. Like really, truly. I used to know this guy who was a self-proclaimed grammar Nazi. And it is kind of wild that people used to call themselves grammar Nazis as if that was like cute and fun and fresh. And I think he was on a he was on this TV show once where it showed him very dramatically, of course, because it was for TV going around with a little red pen like correcting signs and stuff and I just thought god that is the most awful odious personality trait I mean when you want someone like that is when you're maybe in publishing and you want to make sure the grammar is correct but like just going about your fucking business on the internet like geez leave them alone 
And I, I will admit that there's something tempting about when you realize you're dealing with someone so low IQ. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing, like, if there's someone like, you know, you see it on Reddit, you see it on Facebook, like, sometimes you see the way someone types and you're just like, okay, well, I, like, I, why am I arguing with this person? Like, they don't use any punctuation. Like, I don't even know when this <laughs> end, when the statement is supposed to stop and the new one begins. And I will admit to like sort of kind of judging that stuff a little bit, but it's this like, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you behavior that is just so like nasty. And there is a lot of serious elitism in the Swifty world, you know? There really is, even just with like, you know, the people who say, "I've, I've seen every show since I was blah, blah, blah. And I've heard some Swifties be like, yeah, because you're rich. And I'm like, that's a really good point. You know, a, a poor Swifty is no less of a Swifty. Mm-hmm. They might deserve very it true. more. Poor people love music. I've been very, very poor, <laughs> and I loved music back then. Yeah, so. This show is brought to you by Storyblocks. Whether you want to jazz up things on your TikTok and IG stories with a unique font, need beautiful stock footage to beef up a video presentation, or keep people's attention during a YouTube video, Storyblocks is the answer to your needs. Storyblocks is a subscription service that provides an unlimited selection of quality royalty-free content that will make your work exceptional. HD and 4K footage, music, sound effects, and templates are all at the tip of your fingers. So if I needed an HD quality video of a woman eating a salad or background music that isn't like the same background music you hear over and over again on social or YouTube, I'd simply type that into Storyblocks and bam, it's right there when I need it. With monthly or annual plans, the prices on Storyblocks are predictable, meaning that none of that a la carte stuff you run into on royalty-free sites exists. All of the content on Storyblocks has clear-cut licensing and coverage, meaning that there's no royalties or legal jargon to sit through. Enhance the quality of your editing in the easiest way possible in your favorite editing program with pre-made motion graphic templates. There's a Premiere Pro Pro plugin that that you just it goes into Premiere Premiere Pro itself so you don't have to bounce between Premiere and the website. I'm going to get that line one of these days. Start making more dynamic contents with Storyblocks. Learn more about Storyblocks by going to storyblocks.com/lightly or clicking the link in our description. That's storyblocks.com/lightly. Did you see Trisha Paytas KFC cosplay? I did. I miss when Trisha used to cosplay regularly as a minimum wage worker. I remember her, her Domino's cosplay quite vividly also. Yes, she's gotten mixed reviews on cosplaying the working class, but I mm-hmm. personally <laughs> I personally find it very I cuz I think it's so pure. I think she really enjoys these food places and sees like nothing wrong with dressing up as a Starbucks barista for the day. Yeah. Newest ones, KFC. I've never really heard her talk about KFC, but there's this news channel, I think a news channel. There's this TikTok channel that does news that I think I found through you initially, but I really like them. And this guy kind of broke it down and it might be, might be fun to listen to. So, Oh yeah. Oh, it's called YouTuber Network. People are freaking out, losing their sweet minds over a new TikTok from Trisha Paytas, where she's dressed as a KFC employee and gone to a KFC at 10 a.m. in the morning 
as opposed to 10 a.m. at night, and then just sat in this empty KFC and walked around and generally confused the actual KFC employees. Trisha says, quote, good morning. I woke up bright and early to be the first in line at KFC. Trisha then does a fit check and she got a fake KFC uniform that she apparently assembled using eBay and Etsy, which is genuinely just very funny. Fascinated by the way Trisha spends her time. Like most online creators, they spend their time in their giant empty all white house that kind of looks like an airport, just kind of being generally bored. But Trisha's like, I got all this time and money. I better just recreate scenes from Lost for no clear reason. Because I don't know about you, but like, I don't really follow Trisha very closely except for the show. So I'll just see photos on social media where it's like, Trisha Paytas recreated some trench warfare. <laughs> and I'll just think, okay, but I'll never find out what it was for. There is something generally quite cursed about going to KFC at 10 a.m. You know, it's like flying a kite at night. It's not illegal, but it just feels wrong. But someone who d disagrees uh, is Trisha Paytas, saying, quote, coming in at 10 a.m. is such a vibe. It's super clean and no one's there. <laughs> I'm not shocked by that. And I feel like I had the restaurant to myself, like a little private tasting. It took 20 minutes for my food to arrive, which I loved because I was the first one there, so they had to fire up the grill. Slightly detracting from probably the number one selling point of fast food, which is that it is fast. What a, what a strange haunting image of Trisha Paytas just sat alone at a table waiting 20 minutes in a full KFC outfit. If I saw Trisha Paytas in a KFC uniform in KFC, I'd say, hold, hold up, let her cook. Let, I'd say, I'd say, I'd be like Woody in the, in the meme. I'd go, let, let, her, let her cook. That I, that, don't try and stop her from cooking because I understand references and I'm hip and young. I'm in love with this. I find it so endearing. I love it. I couldn't <laughs> love it more. Like, I wonder if it's because KFC, maybe she picked KFC this time because they're so international. Mm. Like when I was in Osaka, there was a little village where there was like, you know, really there was maybe a dollar store that seemed like a chain and something else. But there was notably a massive KFC in the middle of like the sort of town area with like a Colonel Sanders statue. Don't they love KFC in your part of the country as well, in the world as well, rather? Yeah. I mean, but not as much as they used to. I remember I had a boyfriend many, many years ago, and the closest fast food place to his house was KFC. And it was like, it was very walkable. And, and it was in a shithole town where there just really wasn't anything good. It was actually, I think it's been voted one of the worst towns in Britain several years in a row. Jesus. <laughs> and I, and, his, and I, they would always be horrific stories about like, oh yeah, that's the pub where someone got beheaded or whatever. And his mum, like every, when I would stay there, and I would often stay there for like weeks and weeks on end because it was like in the middle of the country and a nightmare to get to. They would always get a takeaway on a Saturday night, which is, of course, like a very British tradition. Every, every Saturday you get a takeaway. And his mum would always go, what do you fancy? Do you want to get Kentucky? And I always laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that she called it Kentucky. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's gorgeous. Thank you. That, no. <laughs> That's, I, can, I can picture it. You know, KFC is gross. <laughs> like, gelatinous. Like, it's like the, uh, my only experience with it is like, I remember, well, I, I've eaten it a couple times and I was sad to learn that it was not because I was a child that I didn't like it the first time. The, this, the taste did not grow on me, but I remember wanting KFC so bad because the commercials were really happening when I was like seven 
And my mom's boyfriend, Tony, that I really liked, he was awesome. He was a little younger and he got me Beach Boys Endless Summer and started me collecting baseball cards. Really great guy. Loved Tony. Shout out Tony if for some reason you come across this. But he took me after school to KFC and he got like the biscuits meal and like he was so happy to like make that happen for me. So, you know, if you're dating someone with a kid, take notes. It's those things that stick with you for I'm I'm nearly 40 years old and I'm still talking about this. So I was so disappointed when I got home that it didn't taste as delicious as it looked in the commercial. Like the skin was bomb, mm-hmm. but the meat itself was intolerable. Mm-hmm. And it all had bones. And I'm still someone who doesn't like to work around a bone when I'm eating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So, uh-huh. well, my mom is a bit, my mom also hates bones, but she's a big fan of a boneless banquet. What's that? It's like a box and it has like popcorn chicken, chicken tenders, and I think like a mini fillet, maybe mini fillet burger. But my mom can't tolerate, she can't tolerate having to eat around a bone. Whereas I'm, I'm a bone girl. <laughs> I'll do bones on buffalo wings. I will do a bone on a buffalo wing. However, I don't love it. But I do love, I mean, generally speaking, I love buffalo wings. So I'm going to take it that I'll take anything Same. I can get in that way. Yeah. But so wait, so she dresses up as a KFC worker. She spends her days doing this. I have some compliments for Trish. Go on. One, she's always been an early bird. Like she's, you know, for all of the things that Trisha has done that we know in terms of just like things that might make you sleep late after doing it all night. She's Mm -hmm. always up early getting her glam done at 6 a.m. She makes the most of her fucking day whenever she does glam or she does a costume like this. She is working it all day. She's banking videos all day long. Do you remember that really strange time where I believe she was like abusing pain medication and she dressed up like a Bratz doll and went to Dollar General? That sounds like a fever dream, but yeah, I, I do think I, I recall at that era. She had so many looks in that makeup, or so, sorry, so many pieces of content in that makeup. She wore that makeup and she made content that was released. Some of it was released like a year later. She just banks so much content. And that is why Trish is inevitable. She's an inevitable individual. Like you will just, you will wind up seeing her again. She's never going to go anywhere. She's going to be doing this to the day she dies. You can try and run her off the internet. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'd agree. And I, there's no way when he said like, she'd just be sitting there for 20 minutes. Honey, you know that our girl is fucking texting up a storm. You know, she's probably posting drafts. Trisha doesn't waste a minute. Like, for someone who's kind of also synonymous with being a little lazy, like, Trish Trish gets a lot of stuff done. She gets a lot of stuff done, and I just know she has no problem. It's one of the things I always liked about Trish is that she's always been okay being alone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, if I had a decent amount of money and spent a lot of my time on the internet I mean I, I I do one of those things and I didn't have much else to do during the day really I mean I didn't have to go to a nine to five I would probably do shit like this all day long not gonna lie. oh I'd probably do this even if I didn't have the internet presence because mm-hmm. I love 
I know exactly what she's doing when she does this. And I love it because it's like it gives her a layer of protection from the world when she looks insane. Like, it's almost like you're not really having to experience life as yourself. You're experiencing life as someone that, like, people look at you and they can't, they don't even, like, they can't even take you seriously. You know what I mean? And that is, like, kind of a freeing feeling to be so made up and so, look so ridiculous that people, like, it's a, it's a really kind of wonderful shield in a way. I'd probably just do this for fun if I was super rich anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like by being such a sight, you it's also works almost as an invis- invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? A hundred percent it does. I mean, I was like, God, I think it's probably why I was such like a, a ludicrous little outrageous goth as a teenager because I could put on ostensibly like a big defense shield, which was like, I would look ludicrous in fairy wings and new rock boots and all the rest of this kind of stuff and full heavy makeup. So like if anybody was, especially when I was feeling all kinds of weird ways about my body and all the rest of this kind of thing, like it was like wearing a cloak of invisibility where people would look at the clothes and the costume first without really looking at me. Yeah. And it was like, I could be seen without being perceived. I'm so jealous of your childhood when you explain it, like the way that you talk about just you know, the way that you talk about all of it is like so fascinating to me because I was such a run-of-the-mill, boring, like visually speaking, teenager. I I was, you know, I wasn't allowed to dress crazy. I wasn't allowed to do anything. My mom had me very conservatively dressed or whatever, but like, I just, I feel like you, I mean, I went to concerts and stuff. I was a very like, you know, I did cool things, but I had no ability to really look cool. Like I wasn't even allowed to wear makeup. It sounds like the way you were. (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't have been allowed. (laughs) The things I I remember when I, I used to draw an upside down cross on my forehead, like just to go out all the time. Like I was in full like black metal makeup and nobody really bad an eyelid in my small Welsh village. That's fucking awesome. No, I think your mom did you a huge (laughs) service. Like, I really do. I think your mom did you a huge service with that because it's like, yeah, I don't know. I just think that it's so important that you, especially around that age, have like a sense of control about how you look and feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. Taking my Adderall. Shout out, Deuce. But like, yeah, I just uh, I think it's so cool that you had that. And I when I was younger, I think probably because I wasn't allowed to do stuff, I was taught that it was like very inappropriate when parents would allow their kids to embrace their alternative style or whatever. That was just, I mean, there used to be like whole episodes of the Jenny Jones show about oh. that stuff where moms would bring on their like, actually now when you watch it and look back, lovely goth teenagers mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. almost always looked 100% better before you know and like now i watch it, i'm like god you were like fucking cool like i can't believe mm-hmm. i watched this when i was a kid and thought you were like riffraff that like i was like that's right jenny clean them up like i was like it's almost <laughs> feels like a weird <laughs> version of internalized misogyny or something like in and but like you know it's a uh, i don't know goth misogyny or something like <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. I, I contributed I like, to the hate I was a hater. It's another thing as well. Like it's it's one thing I realized when I grew up a little bit older, like how young things like catcalling happen to teenage girls. 
and how like hyper aware of your own body and your own sexuality as is perceived by other people at such a young age. And I remember like there was this particular, like I used to walk to school when I went, <laughs> which wasn't very often. And, and this other kind of this route that were along two big main roads. And me and my friends would just get like, you know, out of the window, like this kind of like white band men would shout at us and stuff. And I remember that like made me feel so deeply like out of control and uncomfortable. And then when I started dressing like a little bit of a monster, it was literally like kind of putting on a, a shield of protectiveness from that. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which felt really warranted. But it, yeah, it's it's odd because I was thinking about it and I was like, God, what what age was I when I first was catcalled? And I was like, I think I was like 13 or 14, which is just so grim. And I know a lot of the time I would have been in my school uniform as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry that that I did not have that experience uh, at all. Like the only times adults would like be inappropriate with me is truthfully like, God bless them. My late grandfather would, you know, be like, oh, you put on some weight. You know what I mean? It's like, grandpa, that's an inside (laughs) thought. You know, like I think he was just sort of a strange kind of guy like that and probably didn't realize the implications of saying stuff like that. But no one, I don't remember anyone except boys at school talking about my body. However, I will say I have had some friends who developed very early mm-hmm. and by the time they were 14 years old, they had grown men just like prowling on the yeah. streets after them, which is just, I can only imagine how that shapes someone's view of themselves or feelings about men or people in general. Yeah. Yeah. We need to ban the phrase filled out as well. It's so skeevy. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I haven't heard that one since, like, the 80s. Like, someone's really filled out. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Yeah, it's so gross. Mm. No, that's, um, that's fucking repulsive, dude. That's really gross. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to bring wow. the mood down. No, it's fine. I just hadn't thought of that in forever. Wow, you're right. So stop saying that, you guys. Tell me about, I didn't hear about this. Nicola Buley thing. I've been focused kind of on this Lindsay Clancy thing that happened in Duxbury, Mass. I don't think we have time for that today at all, but I do want to let people know I am following that story. And when it seems appropriate to do to cover it on here, we will definitely be talking about it. Tell me about this story. This has gripped my nation this week and the week before. It has been such an insane, such a mysterious case. And I can't stop thinking about it truthfully. So I'll give you a little bit of a rundown as to why as well. It's it's just been, oh, it's really captured people's attention because it has just these huge, strange kind of mysterious parts to it. So Nicola is a 45-year-old mortgage broker. She's got two kids and a partner. And on January 27th was a very, very normal day. She left her home at around 8.26 to drop her kids off to school. And she's seen on her ring camera. Around 8.40, she drops her kids off to school. She has a little conversation with a parent. She has a dog called Willow, who's this little kind of spaniel. And after she drops the kids to school, she takes Willow on a walk. So she walks along this path, which is by the River Wire, which is in a very small village. And somebody spots her around 8.47 in the morning. They have a little interaction. The dogs interact and then she leaves the field. Around 8.53, she sent an email to her boss. 8.59, she sends an email to her friend. And at 9.01 in the morning, she logs on to a Microsoft Teams call 
on her phone as she's walking with the dog. About 10 minutes later, somebody, a witness, says that they see her with the dog. About (laughs) 20 minutes later, the team's call ends, but Nicola is still logged on. And a few minutes later, her phone is found on a bench next to the dog. Nicola has completely vanished. So the phone was connected, sat on this bench. The dog is bone dry, so the dog hadn't been in the water. And a private and, and, and basically immediately there is some suspicion because the dog is unattended and it's a very small village. So people know the dog because they know Nicola. It's one of those places where it's like, oh, that, that's really weird. The dog is there with the harness and there's this phone that's sat on the bench that seems to be connected to a call, but there's no person anywhere nearby. This is really, really odd. So the police get involved. They immediately kind of search the area. And on that very first day, the police do a search of the river as well because it is suspected that she might have fallen in. But the area where the phone is, there are no there are no marks that indicate that anybody has kind of gone into the river. So there's no disturbance in the in the grass or the foliage around there. It's a very it's a very slow moving river. It's of course really cold because it's the end of January, and she was wearing quite heavy clothing. She's wearing quite a big coat quite big boots so if she had fallen under the water it's possible she would have been quite waterlogged quite quickly but there's no sign of her in the immediate area so then there is a search and rescue team that have dedicated their time kind of for free who've got all of this really expensive equipment and they spent the next few days going up and down the river searching in this sort of radius and finding nothing nothing at all Um, so eventually go on what happened to bodies floating? That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, wasn't that a big... I mean, when we were kids, we were always... This was like, you know, you'd play dead in the pool uh-huh. type thing. And I mean, obviously, if you have a bunch of stuff on you, that's going to weigh you down. But like, dead bodies float. And now I feel they like do. they keep finding them. They keep having to bring in the search and rescue teams. And I don't understand. Like, if you're in a yeah. car, sure. But like, how is that happening? I think it's like... I'll have to ask my uncle because my uncle was for the longest time a police helicopter pilot and one of his specialisms was, well, one of the things that they get the police helicopters out most regularly for is a missing person. And one of the areas that he covers is a long stretch of water. And so he has spoken quite vocally to me in the past about how basically he can almost predict where he needs to look based on the amount of time that someone's gone missing based on when their body will resurface. Right. Because then they become, yeah, they're they're sort of the chest cavity and their stomach fills with air. They float to the top of the water and then they kind of pop up in wherever, in an estuary or something. So they've so far done this, I think it was a 10 mile stretch that maybe this, this kind of area is covered, have not found any, any sign of Nicola. And of course the river is, super slow moving um the water has actually gone down at this point and the other there are a few sort of weird i mean there is a lot of weird stuff here but the private company that volunteered there was a guy called peter folding who's like a forensic boatologist i don't know what you would call them but he basically that's his bread and butter he after a couple of days abandons the search and he was very very vocal in the media like that he was like she's not in there she's absolutely not in there this doesn't add up Like, we're all exhausted. We've been searching day and night. I can tell you categorically, if she was in there, we would have found her. The police are are not really talking to or about Peter Folding, who's this kind of private guy. 
it seems like there's a bit of a rivalry there. He was brought in by the family, essentially. So well, he's come out that? and said that it's really odd. Oh, he's the diver. Yes. The yeah. So guy. he's got a specialist okay. team. Yeah. So he's got a, a team of divers and they're often, they work with police. I think that's their, their main source of business, but they, uh, they, I think they have like more, because they're a private company, I think they've got like more high tech kit. And so when Nicola went missing, her family got in touch with Peter Folding's company because they had been involved in other high profile cases and said please yeah. can you come and help us so he did and, and hasn't found anything so far but he says I mean he's been really vocal in the fact that he says it's really odd that that there's been no sounds of distress so there's no sounds of her falling in she was obviously on that team's call but it was left on the bench he said that it was really odd that nothing has been found so far the other thing that's really odd about this is did that the area on the team's call see her go I mean like can we hear from some of the people on the team's call? So it was audio only. She was logged in audio only. And I think she was muted. Oh, oh, that sucks. Because I like to be on mute mm -hmm. with no video. And now I'm thinking mm -hmm. I got to start being not on mute more because mm -hmm. people will never know how I died. Mm -hmm. Hopefully she's alive. Right. I am uh, my mind like, blown by this a little. This is so it's so weird. So she was wearing a Fitbit, right? So like the day that she leaves, I think you see her on the ring camera and she's got her Fitbit on. Her Fitbit had been it had stopped syncing to her phone a few days before. And I don't know if that was an intentional, like it had been deactivated or stopped from from syncing, but one of her friends had, had basically told the press that that had happened. So from what I understand, the police have had to go to Fitbit to get to see if they can get any data to see if anything is kind of, I don't know, uploaded or they can find it. Because if they do have that Fitbit data, then it will A, show her location or B, if she's in the water, they will show an increase in heart rate or, you know, there are a million and one things, but they haven't found it. And it's also really odd that it that it was kind of stopped from sinking to her phone a few days before she went missing. And then, yeah, there's a lot of other, other odd things that the dog wasn't particularly kind of distressed, but I don't know if I trust that because honestly, if I went missing, I don't know if my dog would do very much. I think she would just kind of be like, okay, well, I'll see you later. Depends on the dog. You can shit on chihuahuas all days, you, all day, you guys, but Wags would have never let me get taken. He would have been, mm -hmm. it would have been a problem. Yeah. Oh my, wait, so wait, can I add, oh, okay, oh, oh, and also Fitbits die. Like, I don't know what the newer ones do, but like, for me, like, when I had a Fitbit back, I, probably when they were first kind of really in their first or second iteration, mine would die. And mm -hmm. sometimes I just forget to charge it for two days or something. It's, you know, kind of a part of you, so you're not always on top of it. You know what I mean? Right. Very true. Very, very true. But okay, so are there any more? Okay, there's a few weird things. There's this like abandoned property that's nearby. And this is where things have started to get a little bit dodged. So of course, because this is so odd, like this whole thing is so odd. It's essentially we're looking at like a 10 to 15 minute, if we're to believe the current timeline, a 10 to 15 minute gap where this woman essentially vanished into thin air. And so, of course, everybody is like, this is so strange. They're really, really fascinated. Lots and lots of Facebook mums have started making little Facebook groups and saying some pretty sort of 
out there theories, TikTok's body language experts, and <laughs> inverted commas, right. and uh, psychics have all kind of started weighing in. But these people have started turning up in the village with the intent of making content about this. So a bunch of people turned up at this abandoned property, including this guy called Exploring with Danny who's a kind of urban explorer kind of person who demanded to be let in so he could search it. And he had to have a police dispersal order to make everybody go away because essentially the property had been had been searched, the owner had been spoken to, it was still abandoned, there was no reason to believe that there was anything untoward there. But this village has kind of been inundated with these people who are turning up and kind of doing this very macabre tourism of the site especially given that the area from which he was supposed to have disappeared from is not cordoned off. It just seems really odd to me that people are able to just traipse in and out of there and potentially destroy evidence and, and all the rest of this kind of shit. Fantastic point. And the, <laughs> the family have said, and I think this is like super true, the dispersal orders, what a misuse of the police time and a waste of valuable police resources, talk, taking away from the ultimate goal of getting Nikki home. So essentially, these people are turning up and causing problems in this village that the police are having to deal with. And it's a huge distraction for what is the most important thing, which is locating this mother of two. I really do loathe when the internet gets on its kind of like web sleuth high horse like this, because I feel like probably not fucking super helpful to just turn Honestly, up there. Honestly, I'll be saying if there's one, there's one upside of this for me, and there's really not, it's to know that Americans aren't the only disrespectful motherfuckers who do this kind of stuff because <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like that's most mm -hmm. of what crosses my timeline so we I have some questions mm -hmm. so like obviously besides the you know probably main thing and at this point I don't even know what Occam's razor is in a crime like that you know but let's look at the possibilities it was it could be someone who rolled up on her and did something to her mm -hmm. okay it could be I'm going to say this. Do we know anything about the partner? Yeah, he has been interviewed and he is under a lot of suspicion by the web sleuth community. We'll say that. He has been under a lot of scrutiny by these so-called body language experts for his behavior. For me, I think he looks incredibly shell-shocked by the whole thing and kind of a little dazed and confused. He said it's like he feels like he's in the Truman Show and he can't really understand what's going on but I think it's always a possibility look it's always a possibility that it's someone who's incredibly close to the person who's missing that is responsible for them going missing I mean honestly really the only there's only there's few parallels here but there are some parallels to Lacey Peterson dog in the mm -hmm. park body of water like you know just sort of like vulnerable i don't know maybe here's my other question do we know if nicola buley was of a sound mental health was she maybe on some medications that went awry was she maybe was she maybe having a some sort of a issue that is a good question as well i'm not sure i mean i think she was everything about her routine that morning seemed pretty normal from what i've read that the kind of dropping the kids off to school logging into work i mean look yeah you never know what's going on with someone. Yeah. Like you really, truly don't. But I think like sending some pretty normal emails and logging onto a pretty normal phone call. I don't know. It's very strange. So here's the other question. Do you think that, that potentially she wanted to disappear? 
Because I know it's unbelievable. I think that, that is also a very distinct possibility. Because when someone has kids, what's kind of a perfect setup to be in a Microsoft Teams meeting with a dog that people are going to find with a phone that's going to imply that like sh- everything was normal today. I mean, I'm not saying that because I hope that that's the case in any way. And I certainly, if God forbid this woman is dead, I'll feel terrible saying it. But part of me wonders, people have kids who want to leave. People, people, you know, have jobs and they still want to leave. Like, there's a lot of reasons why people might want to disappear. Yeah. In many ways, that would probably be the best case scenario is that she's safe and well somewhere. Yeah. I just don't. And made a conscious decision. But what do you, what is your, what's your gut instinct if you were to have one, if you feel it's even appropriate to speculate? I don't know. I feel a little, I feel a little odd about speculating just because it's so rash. For, for me personally, I do think that there's something possibly sinister because I mean, the, the current options on the table are it was an accidental drowning or it was something more sinister. My gut tells me it's something more sinister. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask like what another like maybe even an off the wall theory that you're seeing spread around a lot might be? Well, I did see one that it was aliens, but I don't think it's that one. Could be. And I, and I saw somebody say it with that with their full chest on Twitter. We we are shooting down UFOs. Like it's well, NBD. that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. We are. I by the way, stop, guys. <laughs> like, what are you do? What are you doing? You're slamming a bunch of tall grays in a goddamn thing, or is this just like a? Is this another spy balloon incident? Why were? Why are we shooting down? Why are we shooting down things in the sky? It feels like this is a, a dangerous precedent to set. Uh huh. <laughs> As a 9-11 head, I just want to say we got to be careful with those flying things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Please keep me updated on this. I'm going to go try and force my algorithm to make this part of my lifestyle now. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I can send you the, the, there is currently a subreddit that feels like it's being managed a lot more responsibly than some of the more out there Facebook groups that seem to just be posting and getting banned i think that sort of uh, a lot of tiktok accounts have been banned for spreading misinformation whereas i think the reddit seems to have a pretty tight lid on things like completely baseless speculation so i think it's a it's a it's a fairly good place to start if you're interested in um in reading a little bit more about this yeah let's toss that in the dock for people so that they can go learn responsibly as responsibly as you can on reddit i do appreciate a kind of uh mentally sound spot to go talk about stuff like this because things can just so get out of control okay i wanted to end on this just because it really made me laugh out loud this is an old clip of joe rogan on his show that came up on my youtube shorts this week and it's just so joe rogan that i was really like dying laughing and i just i want to hear what you think and and just sort of talk about the absurdity of it this is how he wishes he dies um or sorry what what he hopes happened to his body after he dies what do you want to do dude do you want to be buried you want to be you want to be cremated what do you want when it's over i think the move is tibetan sky funeral do you know the tibetan (laughs) sky funeral no dude that's the move what is that the move is they take you they take your body no embalming they cut you up and they bring you to the top of a mountain where they chop they chop you up and feed you to vultures while everybody watches. Why? And the vultures know that that's what you're there for because they feed people to these vultures all the time. Mm. So this is a Tibetan sky funeral. So 
look at all these vultures just kind of chilling because they know that people are bringing over bodies. Let's look, they're fighting over big chunks. That's like a chunk of a human. So they're chunk, cutting chunks of hair and meat and all these different pieces. And they, they take them, they take their clothes off, they chop them up, and then the vultures eat them. And everybody watches. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> first of all, this is like, honestly, first of all, this is not... This is not cultural appreciation. This is cultural appropriation for sure. Like what business? But I was thinking, <laughs> Tiffany, do you remember the Tom Brady ass sand we missed out on? If Joe mm. Rogan is is wise enough, wise for my, my wise for my taste because it benefits me. If he is wise enough to do this, we could go steal some Tibetan crows <laughs> and sell them and be like this crow is full of Joe Rogan. <laughs> or vulture, sorry, whatever it's called. We could, steal the, we could steal the vultures. What do you think? I love that idea. I'm sure there are people who would pay a lot of money for a vulture stuffed to the brim with Joe Rogan. I'll go to I'll go to Tibetan jail for a year or two if I have to. But no, this is like in, this is insane. Like that he I would even and he's not kidding. No, he's not. I mean, he's not very tall, so I don't think it would take very many to finish him off. It's true. I didn't know that they chopped you up because I actually have a friend, <laughs> the, the mother of one of my friends is, she's eccentric and I adore her, but she's she's a Buddhist. And I, and I remember she said that she's like, I just want to be sort of popped on a mountain and just pecked by birds. <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't even think of that. My goal is to not insult anyone's religion or anything here in any way i'm sh this is what i mean by the sort of cultural appreciation versus no, appropriation totally. thing <laughs> yeah. because it's like so rogan you're like a texas republican now like i literally don't think that you want to be pecked to death or sorry have your remains <laughs> pecked to the bone by a bunch of vultures there's no way it could happen too because like in order for them to transport joe rogan's body to another country it would have to be embalmed because they don't just send a fucking raw corpse in a plane True. like it has to be embalmed so like like what he's gonna kill all the birds with his like formaldehyde body or he has to make sure that he's in tibet when he dies i was just gonna say i feel like if anyone could time their location of death like with the financial resources and cult like fans they have it could be joe rogan be true Maybe like true. if he gets stage four cancer, like I wouldn't be surprised if like in the final weeks of his life, he flies out to Tibet. Just a thought. But yeah, <laughs> I used to be uncomfortable with the idea of cremation because I don't want to, even though I know I will not be able to feel myself burning. I don't like the idea of me burning, mm -hmm. but I really don't like, did you know, so do you know that once you're embalmed, right? Like. There's a lot of people you could go dig up right now and they are still intact. And like the only thing you can do that really like one of the things you can do, there's a few things you can do to like sort of like undo that is bury someone with flowers because the flowers Ooh. rot and they penetrate like the skin or whatever. But I didn't realize, I mean, my biggest fear is always like thinking about my deceased loved ones and how they're probably like a skeleton in a coffin now mm -hmm. but i guess like the bodies stay in pretty good shape yeah i mean if, if you put if you pump the body full of anything and then take measures to stop the body from decomposing in the way that it should be eg by putting it in a box then 
there will be something left. For me personally, I want to be composted. Um, oh, and like what soil. do you mean? Oh, you want to be soil? Yeah, so like oh. human composting, it looks so fucking good. There's such a good Caitlin Doherty video on it on YouTube, which uh, I can send you. But she goes to this like place in California. They're tra- basically trying to pass something in California to allow human composting. But you go into this like lovely little thing tube, and then your family come and put flowers all over you, and then you go in. A- you go in there, and then thirty days later, that you've just got a load of soil, and then your family comes and takes the soil away, and then it's just like this rich, fertile soil with no human left. My mouth is agape. I'm. I cannot. Be- I can't believe that that's possible. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the one thing where I was like, oh, I have to, I've got to do that. (laughs) I mean, that's awesome. I literally just can't believe that that can happen. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh my God. Wow. I mean, yeah, I just, I just want to be, I just, I'm not too picky about it. My God, I can't believe you can turn a person into dirt. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And the place where they do it is like insanely beautiful. And the family comes and you can have your own little ceremony. And they like, there's this one where they, I think it's the the video on YouTube where they talk about this guy who was a big, like Grateful Dead fan and is like, and he's basically like laid to rest in this kind of like open box. And like, he's kind of on this bed of soil kind of wrapped in a muslin cloth. And then the family come and they bring like their own foliage and stuff from their garden and kind of cover him in flowers. and and play music and there's like a little kind of projection on the wall behind him and then you just go into your little into your little tube but yeah there's fuckloads of soil left and then if you don't want to you know take the soil if you, if you don't have a need for that much like human soil you can uh, kind of send it off to like this woodland where it gets like you know added into the into the human fertilization pile and then you can basically live on as a tree i'm mind i'm mind blown like i'm more i'm actually in a in a nice way slightly more confused by this than i am the tibetan sky funeral and that not in a way that i don't i think it's wrong i think it's cool i just i can't believe i've never heard of this i i would think it'd be illegal to make a make a person soil well it's not quite allowed in some states but it is allowed in others and i think the youtube doc that i'll send you about this which is one of my favorites i think it's only 20 minutes is about them trying to get it to be passed into legislation in California and them getting blocked because it's like some sort of election year and it's seen as a controversial issue because the funeral business is so lucrative and natural burials are a kind of antidote to the very, very exploitative kind of death care business in the state. So it's seen as a kind of, I don't know, political issue, but I like it. I think the company's called Return Home, which has got a nice ring to it. Stick me in some soil, baby. Yeah, we're always kind of, I think we're always kind of absorbing stuff of dead people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I know why you're not allowed to like bury a person in your backyard like it's normal, like even if that was legal, but or like even if that was uh, non-crime related, right? Mm -hmm. But I think we're always sort of, we're always sort of near some dead stuff. You know what I mean? Like dead people juice or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like. If you're cremated, you know, all of your little atoms get turned into whatever. Everything returns to the universe eventually. Not to get too Mm. Joe Rogan about it. Wow, that's so gross. You know, it's beautiful, but it's also, to me, gross. Just like the way human anatomy is, it's kind of like gross to me. I'm like, oh, God. You know, (laughs) you're telling me there's an organ that does what? 
All right. Well, you guys, I got to go super bowl it. Tiff, I hope you start to feel a lot better. Guys, this is our 101st episode. We are officially, <gasps> we officially did it. We made it 100 it, episodes Joe. and now 101. Hell yeah. We did it, Joe. All right, you guys, have a safe week and send us your, send us your Super Bowl, favorite Super Bowl moments. I know there's going to be some good ones. We'll, uh, we'll be looking for those on IG. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Love ya. Bye. Bye. That look like a double G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Double G's on the left Double G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the vine Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the center Now watch it hit the flow Now rack it up huh? Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up huh? Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way she was important But I moved her right about the way Delta cheese tonight Told her baby I got cheese tonight Get a scholarship I ain't smoking on no TAC Low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow Like the teller Shout out TurboTax tax refund What's another Like the quarterback at recess No rush You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission No rush This ain't UT White shirt orange like a pumpkin Mama called me asked me how college is I said bust Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.